Oh my gosh. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm, my, I've finished my third book, Rocket Fantastic, and it's going to come out in 2017. And I'm just going to read from that tonight. And you'll, uh, one of the reasons I'm reading from it is we are figuring out uh, about pronouns right now, my editor and I. And one of the reasons we're figuring that out is because I'm constantly thinking about pronouns and... Um, and the word they, for me, uh, is not a word that I uh, associate with myself. Um, and so we're, we're trying to figure out all sorts of things. I say that by way of saying, I'm just going to read through. But sometimes I might say he, and sometimes I might say she, and sometimes I might just hold my hand up because I don't know what we're going to say. Okay, which is the way to think this could be like the worst night of all of our lives. But let's just like go for it. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. There's a point where it all gets still, where it's there between the branches of my fingers when I cover my eyes as if to block who out to the left of us. To the left of the city, an hour away, there's a place my father called the Null Point, where you can see better, and everything gets like a spring morning. He'd stand behind us on the mountain. He'd place his hands on my shoulder. He'd say, try it with the birds first. My thumb in the early light, Surrounded by golden haze, I'd cover the bird no larger than my thumb. Then we'd find the locusts, and then we'd try the bees. The day growing hotter, the day itself starting to hum and buzz. Get still, he'd say. Let your eyes get loose and double. Then focus in. To the left... To the spot the summer came inside me, still and silent, like someone diving in the pool. How you lie there in the stillness till they surface. That's how we learned. Birds, and then the bees, then the mayflies, like dandelions blown to bits. I was better at it than my brother. I was more patient. Little thumb on the mayfly. Little thumb to the left of us. Shave. Like the buck I am, I turn my head side to side. I hear the leaves rustle. I shake my head a little and the birds reel round the forest. I am no branch. My head turns to the side. I see out my side eye. The deep pool of the eye sees itself pool in the mirror. I oil myself till I am all a lather. My chest heaves out so my full heart may abandon the rib stockade. Where the bullet would go if the hunter were a good shot, that's where I place the razor. I make my skin taut. I pull my own neck back and to the side I come for myself. Yes, I was a lady once, but now I take the blade and move it slowly past the jugular, up the ridge of my chin where the short hairs glisten. I was once ashamed. It was a thing I did in private, my own self, my quarry. No more. Look how the dough comes round. 
and also the doves, and also the wolf who lets me pass. The fox offers me the squirrel's hide to buff myself to shining. There is no such thing except the smoothness of my face. I remember he'd tell us the story of Isaac, though I never knew why, but sort of like a lesson and a joke, and we should be grateful all in one. I remember thinking about how it took three days. A three-day hump, we'd say here. That's a long time. That's long enough to know and want to go back and know you're not going back anytime soon. I remember saying that to Dad, how long that was, and he'd say, it's not so long if you know you're right. I remember him saying that and thinking, right about what? Three days is long enough that everything gets so wet, you're five pounds heavier just from sweat. It's long enough that your feet stop hurting and just get numb. And he was just a boy. Though that's when he'd tell the story, wasn't it? When we were walking into camp and we'd be tired, and he'd say, Isaac walked for three whole days. And sometimes he'd kind of sing it, Isaac walked for three whole days. And I'd hate him then. I'll say that now. I hated him and thought he was a vicious man in his windbreaker and collared shirt taking us up to see the stars. You never seemed to mind. You'd sing too sometimes. Isaac walked for three whole days. And I'd say, some bargain. And he'd stop and look me level in the eye and say, well, young man, no one says you have to make it back. The band leader calls it the angel position. The what, I asked? The angel position. Let me explain, the band leader says. No, let me show you. Down on whose knees? It's below me. I'm in the window. The ocean behind us, the fronds of the palm, like a crown, and in the shadow, like wings. Where the curtains would be hooked, my wrists instead. I don't know, I said. He says, you'll like it. Naked, with the sun warming my back, almost sunset. You're orange, the band leader says. You're getting like fire. My shadow getting larger than me. My crown of palms, now my wings against the wall and the stool. My bare feet stand on, shaking when he touches it. Don't touch it, I say. Don't touch it. You'll break my arms. You're an angel, the band leader says. You'll love it. At first, the glass feels cool on my back, leaves me like that to go get a drink, to answer the phone. What must the whales think? An angel in the window? Another girl, spoy, splayed, blocked a little by the palm while the dealer and the band leader talk by the pool? How much do I want it, he asks, as he stands in the door. How much? 
The sun got all over everything. Over the boys and girls, by the pool, over the bougainvillea, which got so hot, my palms stayed warm for minutes after. It made a mess of a day that was supposed to be the worst and lured me outside, so I forgot her death entirely. And also the polar bears scrambling on the ice chips. And also that there was no water in the Golden State. The pool was full and the sun poured across the women's bodies, so you had to shade your eyes. Or I did. I had to put my hand up to see what they were saying. I know it's no excuse. And I had made a plan to cry all day. And into the evening, I marked it in my book, which seems like something I'd make up in a poem, except this time I actually did it. I wrote grieve, because we're all so busy, aren't we, and so broke. I needed to make an appointment with my anguish so I could take my mind off buying groceries that I really couldn't afford. Anyway, I didn't mean to go outside except there the sky was, just ridiculously blue, taunting me with pigment that I felt the need to name, and from somewhere close by, a voice I couldn't see because the sun was like a yoke cracked over it said, what are you drinking? And I said, I'm grieving. I'm very busy remembering I made an appointment because last year I forgot and then felt awful. The sun opened its mouth and made a gong of the canyons. It poured across the girls and slicked across their Dior lenses. I put my tongue on it, exactly when I should have been tearing at my clothes and lighting candles. I got on top and let it find the tightness in my back and open where my wings would be. Somewhere my mother was dying and someone was skinning a giraffe. And I let it go. I just let it go. It's huge, standing there in the woods where I didn't even see at first. He doesn't know I'm looking and then moves a little bit and kicks the ground. I was walking by myself as the sun set. I kept going in deeper to the greenest spot until I found a clearing. Was the clearing, took the clearing up and stood there still and watched me till I saw, I stood, I saw, shoulders first and then its neck I think was so golden in the song sun I didn't know what was and I thought the branches were his horns I thought was an eight-point stag and how his chest made a kind of giant heart out of me out of my eyes looking and let me look stood there in the green not moving I thought horns were leaves I saw eight branches coming from head didn't stop my looking didn't run away I watched the whole of I saw arms and taper of legs let me watch for maybe hours but really moments like a gift like when you're almost home and smell them cooking supper but you're still outside and could just turn back around we stood like that together let me touch the whole of every rise and muscle let me rest on the hollow of neck and breathe it in for four whole breaths. Said my name or shook head inside the leaves and sighed and let the light come into us. Let the light hold us for a while. I did not realize how many pronouns were in that one. <laughs> Excuse me while I have an asthma attack. <laughs>
I need a drink of water. Sorry about that. Anyone can leave now if you want to. <laughs> Are we okay for time? Yeah. I like it when touches me there, right there above the forehead with whose palm and moves whose hand along my skull until it rests below my neck and sort of holds me there and how we stay like that before it even starts right there in the stillness like the best part of the movie when the lights go down and everyone sort of shakes together and relax. I like to watch who start to want things right before tells me what wants, how wants before sighs and says my name like a surprise and starts to move whose hips and how asks me how I do it. Oh God, right there like that in the stillness sounds just like a girl, just like I sound when we come together then relax. I like it when whose hand tightens on my skull right at the place my neck begins says sorry, sorry, didn't mean to hold so tight. I say it's fine. I like it when you hold me like that. Some thoughts on building the atom bomb. I would not have been great at it. (laughs) Firstly, I was terrible at science. I got as far as slicing the frog's abdomen open. Then I made an excuse and walked the halls till the bells rang. I know what you're thinking. That's biology. When I looked inside the cavity, I knew I didn't have what it took for a life in science. God, I have intestines like that frog. They pulse and shine like his. Cut me open, you'll see my supper too. No. When I looked inside the cavity, I thought, I can't go on. Volition, that's a thing I don't have. I'd leave the patient on the table rather than get the job done. I'd walk right into the desert and roll around like a chinchilla while everyone else back at the office is considering implosion. I'm dusty as a chinchilla, I'd say, entering the lab. I'm the outside of your mama's fallout shelter. Those poor scientists, every last one wondering what I'm doing there. I mean... I'd love to see the sky bloom, but I can do that already. Look, the sky is blooming right now outside the window. And plenty of people are dying in various ways. And will the infrastructure fail all on its own without me building a bomb in the middle of the desert? These are the kinds of questions that make me know I'm not fit to decimate the planet which is sort of sad to think about, all that potential I'm just giving up on. You can hold a duck down on a rock and cut its head off. You can hold a snake down on a rock and cut it in half and watch it keep lunging. You can cut a lizard like a green bean and the rock will turn a little green and then it'll turn black and the cats will come to eat it. You can catch a cat and hold it down and cut its head off, but it'll be harder because it knows you're coming, and you'll have to know it knows you're coming, so it'll struggle, and you'll have to not care anymore. You can kill it, though. 
If you just let yourself get loose and double, that's what T says. He says, get loose and double, Pasadena, meaning let one part of you go and let the other break its head with the stone you brought. Or maybe just get mad enough to crush its skull and let it lie there for a minute like a rag. No other way to say it, like a rag. You can hold a monkey down and bash its skull and you can look into its eyes and see it smile, the smile that you know is not a smile, and hear it hissing. You can feel its fingers grab your wrist but you can do it. You can. You can look it in the eye until it gets so still and stops thrashing. People back home say you can't. They say it will never stop fighting, but everything stops fighting if you look at it right. That's what I told you. I said, I can't fight him anymore. And you said, yes, you can. And now I can, but that's because I know just what I'd do, because I'd leave my body right beside me and slam his head down on the rock. It's a really feel-good night. <laughs> Who holds the stag's head gets to speak. Dear God, who lives inside the stag's head, even after the stag's shot and lies slumped and abashed on the forest floor, protect him, even after he's been heaved onto the car's dark roof, forest green or Pacific blue, nowhere he can see. His body stiffens like a trellis above the driver. Help him. Hold him in your sight. I know the age of prayer is over. I read it on my news feed. Someone said, someone said, someone said, faith is a weapon of the man. When they take him down in the darkness, he looks like anybody. Could you rest the muscle of your breath against his neck so he won't sag? So the man thinks he's alive and quakes in the awful company of the risen. You are the blue Lord I prayed for when I was hunted. You came to me through the branches. I could hear you in the upper room where I had hidden in the cupboard. The moment the blade goes to gut him, please make of his entrails a phalanx of butterflies, and of his lungs a great bear charging. My Lord, when I was the coward beast, you turned me clear as water so the hunter could not find me. I beseech you, abide. I had a mane once a glorious thicket, a generosity for all the cicadas to visit when the rains descended. I let the hornets make a mockery of me. I didn't sweat it. I let them sting and sting because I was enormous and magnanimous. I cut my leg and let the maggots build an empire. What did I care? I'd say to the fox, there's enough meat in me to go around. Then I'd stretch so the grubs could find new avenues, and they'd shiver with gratitude. They'd pass out drunk along the edges of the wound. I was my own economy. You could see me coming from miles around. And yes, I could break your last best thing in half. And yes, I was every inch an animal.
But most days I was merciful. I'd pretend I was sleeping. I'd take all my danger and lay it on the river's edge. Some kids killed a goat and cooked him in the ground. They had us over, deep in the hills on someone else's ranch. It was good. They cooked him all day and asked us to come by and loved it. The band leader got out of the car laughing. It was good. The kids ambling towards us, lights making stars all around. They said, come over. The air smelled like smoke. They lifted the goat out of the ground, all their hands moving along it on the wood table. Seven knives and everyone laughing. The kids picking off the skin and handing me some. Then the ribs cut through. Then the haunches and the hams. Someone took the head for soup. One of the older women. Someone brought plates piled high with corn. This is so good, the band leader said. It came right off the bone. We put it on tortillas and ate it with our fingers in the darkness, the little lights shining above. It wasn't greasy like I thought it would be. Boys were feeding girls and laughing. Someone thanked the goat, and all the sweet kids said, Thank you, goat. And the band leader said, Thank you, goat, and grinned at me. All the kids running around, and one ran up and said, I know who you are. And the band leader said, Who am I? And the boys squealed and ran away. Come here, I heard the band leader say. Come here, who's feeding me the juiciest meat and kissing its steam off my chin? She ties my bow tie. She does, although not tonight, because I am here, and she is there in the great state of North Carolina, which loves women and men who wear bow ties and dresses. <laughs> this is for my love and also for Pat McCrory. I think we're taping this tonight. Uh, anyway, she ties my bow tie. What you thought was the sound of the deer drinking at the base of the ravine was not their soft tongues entering the water, but my love tying my bow tie. We were in our little house just up from the ravine. Forgive yourself. It's easy to mistake her wrists for the necks of deer. Her fingers move so deftly. One could call them skittish, though not really because they aren't afraid of you. I know. You thought it was the deer, but they're so far down you couldn't possibly hear them. No, this is the breeze my love makes when she ties me up and sends me out into the world. Her breath pulled taut and held until she's through. I watch her in the mirror, not even looking at me. She's so focused on the knot and how to loop the silk into a bow. I was popular in certain circles. This is the first line, of, uh, first sentence of a story by Grace Paley. Hi, Grace Paley, the old ghost. <clears throat> I was popular in certain circles. Among the river rats and the leaves, for example. I was huge among the lichen. And the waterfall couldn't get enough of me. And the gravestones... I was hugely popular with the gravestones, also with the meat liquefying beneath. I'd say to the carrion birds, I'd say, are you an eagle? I can't see so well. That made them laugh until we were screaming, eagle, imagine. 
The vultures loved me so much they'd feed me the first morsel from their delicate talons, which is what I called them. Such delicate talons. They loved me so deeply they'd visit in pairs, one to feed me, one to cover my eyes with its velvety wings, which were heavy as theater curtains, which I was sure to remark on. Why can't I see what I'm eating, I'd say, and the wings would pull me into the great bird's chest, and I'd feel the nail inside my mouth. What pals I was with the scavengers, and the dead things too, what pals? As for the living, the fox would not be outdone. We'd sit on the cliff's edge and watch the river like a movie, and I'd say, I think last night, and the fox would put his paw on top of mine and say, forget it, it's done. I mean, we had fun. You haven't lived until the fox has whispered something the ferns told him in your one good ear. I mean, truly, you have not lived. Thanks so much.